This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Views expressed here are not supported by and do not reflect those of the Even Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is advised. All right, 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 all right. You are now plugged in. Coming up in tonight's show, we have what we always do. We pay homage this week. Instead of instead of giving the flowers this week, we pay homage this week. And then also this week, what we're going to do is we're going to do what we do always best is, play, you know, talk about these current events that we got going on out here. We ain't going to do it round robin style this week. What we're going to do is this week, we're just going to do it our old style. We'll just speak about it because the topics that we have is kind of, is, you know, it's pretty important. You know what I mean? So we're going, you know, we're going, we're going to play with it in that sense. All right. And then on top of that, our topic of the day this week is youth wasted on the young. Modern day adolescence. What is it? All right. All right. So with further, without further ado, Modern you are day. now plugged in. All with right. Molly and right. Joe, the so, mental warriors. Without further ado, you are now plugged uh, in. I'm, I'm getting a mean, I'm getting a mean echo right now. We're gonna try to fix that technical difficulties. I think it went off. All right, here we go. So again, we're gonna start that all, all, all over. All right, you are now plugged in with Molly and Joe, the mental warriors, along with our new. Special special co-host Zachariah Israel. All right, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up, chop it up, chop it up, chop it up. All right, our producer isn't where he need to be. I hope he's feeling well. Hope he get well. Um, he's going through some things right now, so all those little effects that we normally would have, like the claps and all that other stuff, we might not have tonight. But we'll be all right. What you think, Joe? Joe, you on mute, Joe? We uh, here. Bro, oh, we, we, we make it work one way or the other. So, you know what I mean? Listen, we, we can make the applause or the claps if we need to ourselves. So we'd be all right. <laughs> no shade, no shade, but we find a way to make it work. I promise. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, Zachariah, what you think? I mean, you know, it's, it, we can hold it down for, until further ado. To further ado, I right. well without further without further ado, we're on many platforms, and the platforms that we're on is all of the all of, all of the the major platforms. We got YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor.fm, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, iTunes Podcast, the Evening Rush Network, of course. And um, also, we're on um, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Podchaser, TuneIn. Those are other other platforms that we you know that we ventured onto. Um, also, um, you need to download the Evening Rush Network app. That's both available on Android and and um, Apple. Okay, that's big things. I mean, like 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 the Evening Rush over here doing big things. All right, so Joe. Without further ado, what? How was your week, brother? Man, my week was very interesting. I didn't realize Halloween was being celebrated like Christmas. I mean, people are taking days off, you know, going out of town, and I'm just sitting here like, since when did Halloween become that much of a holiday? I, I, it's a surprise to me, you know. I I get people, you know. You got the houses all ghouled up and things of that nature, but I guess it's just a way of the world, I guess. But no, my my week's been good, very pro- productive, of course, very progressive, and you know, looking forward to uh, the, the 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 end of autumn, if you will, and you know, the, the how the seasons go, and cold and hoodies, and you know, football, of course, and basketball. So all those things are looking forward to when you're like in the middle of autumn. All right. 
Zachariah, how was your week, brother? Good, good. Um, busy and uh, just trying to see, uh, trying to fit more things on my plate and learn to juggle what I got going on at the same time. Um, but um, it's all good, man. Uh, looking forward to this cold weather that's coming. It's already hit, actually. You guys think I'm out here in Cali and it's sunny all the time. I'm in the desert, man. It gets like in the 30s and 40s at night. But that's as cold as it gets. Don't feel sorry for me. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, you know, the monotony of it all, just living life, you know, sometimes you get caught up in it and then you don't even realize all of the blessings that you do have. That's so, right. of, 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 of course, I'm still doing, you know, the after school program, um, picking up the kids. Um, we had a, we had an ice cream social. Remember that, Joe? We had an ice cream social. Uh, yes, that was wonderful. Yeah, we had an ice cream social with the kids, had, you know, had them make their own ice cream from scratch. Wow. Um, yeah, it was actually a beautiful event. Um, what else did I do this week besides just picking up all these kids and bringing them to our wonderful program? Shameless plug, baller.org, B-A-L-A-A.org. Um, besides that, just dealing with, you know, regular, 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 regular things in life. You know what I mean? Watching the news, seeing all of the, all of the, all of the craziness going on in the world um all the craziness going on in politics um nothing really stuck out in my head this past week per se but what i will say is that i'm i'm always paying attention so that's my week you know in in a nutshell um i know in sports i know the Knicks is 3 and 1 they playing the Chicago Bulls right now i don't know what's your t- what's your team Zachariah? I mean, I haven't really been following basketball like that. I'll be fronting to say I got a team. I just have certain players I root for, you know. So, uh, yeah, not not an avid fan like I used to be at all. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Joe? Well, of course, I'm an Indiana Pacers fan. So, I'm still rocking with the squad. We won in, what, one in four right now? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, what what can I say? You know, we always get these slow starts in the beginning of the season. It's only the first week. So mm-hmm. you know, we play Brooklyn on Friday, so I'm hoping we can get it together. At the very least, y'all, y'all, y'all may can, right? All right. So, you know, what we do is, and what we're going to do is we're going to have Zachariah, he's going to work on this, but we're going to have that moment where we're going to just throw a little video screen up and be like, oh, okay, this is our paying homage moment. ba ba ba, Right? But yeah. that's what it is right now. Is the <laughs> I used to hope y'all take that out. My next one. Yo, 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 the Evening Rush Network boss is over here. He's an avid Brooklyn fan, man. Listen, you talk about Brooklyn, he gonna he gonna come at us. But right now, where we at, we at with it. We we paying homage to our ancestors. Last week, what we did is we gave flowers. We um said those who would make our ancestors proud. This week, we're talking about the ancestors. So we're gonna pay homage to those that came before us. Um, Joe. You kick us off, man. Who who you got for us this week? Ah, my ancestor is just the most recent one. We, we you know we pay our respects to the late great Colin Powell. What? Colin Powell, born April fifth, nineteen thirty-seven. He was an American politician, diplomat, and a four-star general who served as the sixty-fifth. United States Secretary of State. And he also was the first African-American, the first Black person to receive the chairman of Joint Chief of Staff status, which he served from 1989 to 1993. Colin Powell uh, was somebody that I guess maybe because he was considered, you know, he deemed himself a Republican later on in his years. He wasn't really popular with the Black community um, for a bit of time, but what I must say about Colin Powell that I always admired is that he tells the story of the immigrant American dream, Black immigrant American dream. You know, his family was Jamaican, West Indian, came to Harlem, uh, grew up in the Bronx, went to uh, Morris High School, you know, one of the uh, big schools in the Bronx, and, you know, found his call to ROTC, and then from there just worked his way up in the ranks as a soldier in the army and things of that nature. So it's good to hear stories like this because he served up until his very last days. And me being of of, of, of descendants of West Indian immigrants, 
I understand that story very well. And I still kind of live like that to this day. Like, you know, I'm here, I'm born. I, 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 um, I continue to work hard and I know what that means in our community. So I pay homage to Colin Powell because he's a prime example of starting from the bottom and ending up on the top. All right. Yes, sir. The great Colin Powell. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right. So Zach, who you got for us this week? Today is, um, uh, like to talk about Nat Turner, um, who is not widely taught about in schools, uh, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons, once you know his, his history and, um, what he actually did. So, uh, just, I'm just going to read a few highlights here. I, I don't really want to freestyle in it and, and leave things out that are noteworthy. Um, African-American slave preacher uh, from Virginia who led the bloodiest slave rebellion in American history. Um, in the 185 years that followed, his rebellion was minimized and reinterpreted, to say the least. Um, and mainly one of his accomplishments or what, he's, what is um, noteworthy of, uh, of his uh, rebellion is on August 21st, 1831, led a small army that used axes, hatchets, and knives and muskets to kill 55 white Virginians. Um, by August 23rd, the revolt was suppressed and his followers were apprehended. Uh, he escaped and hid in the woods for two months until he was captured and taken to the jailhouse in the county seat of Jerusalem, today known as Cortland, Virginia. He wrote what's something what's called the, uh, the Turner Bible, what is known as today. And it's actually on display in the National Museum of African-American History. And it actually, um, and the recent release of a feature film, which is called The Birth of a Nation, chronicling his life and the entire revolt. Um, one more thing I'd like to add in. Um, between his trial and execution, he was interviewed by lawyer Thomas Ruffin Gray. The interviews were compiled in a pamphlet entitled The Confessions of Nat Turner, the leader of the late insurrection in Southampton, Virginia. This serves as the main historical record of who Nat Turner, the man that may have, who he may have been, but it's in, it's an imperfect record, of course, because um, like all black history, it has been whitewashed. But if you wanna check that out, you can check it out, Confessions of Nat Turner. And uh, I think individuals like him just like be highlighted. Um, I'm not an expert on black history, but um, I just think after learning so many things that I didn't learn in school, I think um, blacks and non-blacks in this country should know what happened actually, you know, during that time of slavery and before and after the Civil War. So Nat Turner, big ups to you. I actually have a friend who's named after him. So shout out to my boy, Natu Virago Coleman. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let me just intervene real quick. Zach, we mm -hmm. know why Nat Turner is someone who's not talked about in American history, in African-American history, yeah. rather. Yeah. But he should, you know, he he changes the narrative of how uh, our history is. So, you know, we need to talk about him more and let people know that there is an opposite of what history looks like. Absolutely. Right, right, Absolutely. right. right. And I believe I spoke on that Turner before. And like I said, to repeat, you know, what these men have done in our history is actually a great thing. You know, it's not something that we should, you know, shun and be like, oh, okay, we spoke about that man because I don't think we can speak about any of these great people enough to get to get the message across for people to do what they need to do to change their lives. You know what I mean? And that just segue into who I choose this week. Um, and I chose um, Afeni Shakur for two reasons, because of her own her own work as a Black Panther activist, you understand what I'm saying, and a, a pretty dope sister in, in her own right, you know what I mean? Um, she was also mother to um, Tupac Shakur, one of the great, one of the great poets, one of the great poets of our time and of our generation, um, whether you want to call him a rapper whether you want to call him a, a hip hop artist, whether you want to call him a gangster, whatever you want to call him, you can also call him a poet as well. And it has everything to do with this woman right here, um, Afeni Shakur, a former Black Panther activist and reformed drug addict. They always got to throw that in there because our struggles is always something they want to put along with our triumphs. You know what I mean? That's always something that they want to do. 
I finished the known as the mother of Tupac Shakur, as I said, a successful rap artist whose murder in 1996 elevated him to cult icon statics. Um, since the death of her son, Afini Shakur has transformed his legacy into a multi-million dollar industry by issuing her son's catalog of unreleased material. She used the proceeds from the sales of these recordings and associated merchandise to establish a charitable foundation that promotes arts education. Something that's dear to my heart, which is, you know, because I'm, you know, dealing with Big Appalachia Academy for the Arts, which is an arts program dealing with the musical arts, the theatrical arts. Um, culinary arts, whatever you might think of, it, it, we're, we're trying to do it. And these are the people that um, came before us that allows us to be able to do so because being part of the Black Panther movement allowed allowed us to gain some 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 manner of respect amongst the um, the elite. Um, yeah. She um um she joined the Black Panther Party. Um, hold on, and hold on. Sorry about that. Okay, so I'm going to nutshell it there because I lost my space where I was at reading it. Can I add something? Can I add something to that in regards to Athena Shakur? She was actually arrested um, during a Mm -hmm. that's what I was looking for that was um, involving with the Black Panthers. Black Panthers. She was actually a leader in the Black Panther Party, and. she, when she was arrested, she was actually pregnant with Tupac the whole time she was incarcerated. And um, she actually fought her case from inside, you know, studying law on her own. And, um, you know, when she, uh, I believe Tupac was born either when, before, right before she got out or right after. So that kind of speaks to who he became. You know what I mean? Um, right. And then you were speaking to the fact that you um, had did some things with him as well, right? Correct. We're going to save that for next week. <laughs> he, he, he's gonna, gonna, I'm gonna pay homage to Tupac next week. So, but I did, I did find my information. Yeah, she joined, she joined the Black Panther movement in 1964. Okay, she met at the meeting associate of Malcolm X. Um, he was recruiting in the Bronx, and she, you know, she was, she, she just got caught up in the movement. So, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to our next segment because after giving shout out to Afini Shakur, um, Nat Turner, and Colin Powell, who all left a great legacy for us to follow and to build off of, um, I salute you guys. Definitely, 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 definitely. Okay, so on to our next segment, which is what we call our current event segment. We either do a round robin situation where we all get a minute to shoot at whatever little topic that we throw out there. But this week, we're not going to do the round robin situation because we want to take a little bit of time out for all of these topics here today all right so what we got today is um first and foremost joe you had um sorry about that you had um came up with this one here right you you know because you being a, a avid pittsburgh steelers fan mike tomlin um you know plays you know plays a big place in your heart <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I brought this topic up about Mike Tomlin because uh, this is something that it happens usually during the season or uh, at the end of the season where coaches are asked about joining other teams or college ranks, if you will. Um, For a coach of Mike Tomlin's status, that's a sign of disrespect. And they wouldn't ask people that are in his at his level, if you will, Mike Tomlin is a top five coach in the NFL of, you know, at the time, throughout his career, 15 years with the same team, never had a losing season, make the playoffs about 70% of his time. And these people have the nerve to ask him if he's interested in taking a college ranked head coaching job. So I'm glad I'm glad he went off the way he did the other day because they wouldn't ask Bill Belichick that. They wouldn't ask Pete Carroll that. They wouldn't ask Sean Payton that. They wouldn't ask John Harbaugh that. They would only ask Mike Tomlin. And the reason why they do that or they think they can get away with it is because of his color. He's very criticized as a head coach. And he's done everything he needs to do and then some. I brought this up also because last week we talked about the complications of being in the workplace for a black person. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then that's an example. It happened like the week after we talked about it. So I said, I yeah. had to bring this up because we just got a pre- prime example of 
the difficulties of being in the workplace, especially when you're at the head of your position. It's not like he's a bad coach. He's like one of the top five coaches in the NFL over the last 15 years. So mm-hmm. you cannot you cannot knock what the man has done, you know, right. under circumstances. But it seems like they always find a way to add some type of negative connotation to his story because of his skin color. But you won't do that to no other head coach. Mm. Zachariah? Not black. And I hate the full race card in this, but that's what it feels like to me. Because it's, it's nah, come on, man. You know, it's not called pulling the race card when you're speaking something that's been going on for years throughout, you know, not not just sports, but everywhere throughout uh, any black man in the leadership position, whether it be entertainment, civil rights, you know, uh, in within any corporation, you know. So, um, yeah, you're definitely not pulling the race card, Joe. Um, but what I was going to say to that is that uh reminds me of something I saw in the movie, and I can't pinpoint which movie it was. But, you know, you watch certain movies and, and certain scenes just have an impact on the way you view the world. And, and, and it speaks to what you've already seen and experienced in real life. And I just remember it was like a mother telling or a father telling her son that his son that, um, you know, you can't you can't do what the white kids do and still win. You have to be twice as good. You have to be twice as smart. You have to succeed twice as more. <laughs> try twice as hard. And that's never going to change. And that's what that's what the quote was in the movie. And it's sad, but that's the case today. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, as I try to be empathetic towards, you know, anybody who I deal with and, you know, the plight of people whose shoes I can never walk in. But, you know, it's a sad case in this country that that's the way it is. And, you know, that's why these men don't need to be ridiculed. These men, especially like Mike Tomlin, you need to be, they need to be highlighted for how hard they had to work to get there. And those accomplishments that they've achieved under that type of ridicule and pressure. I mean, come on, these are like superhumans. You know what I mean? So just for, to go through that with, with a strong sense of, uh, of, of determination and strong spirit, strong will and never break. That alone, you know, that that deserves to be highlighted. And S and D, because I'm not gonna re, you know, I'm not gonna go behind you guys and speak to the same thing over and over again because that's just called redundancy. But um, Mike Tomlin always have got the short end of the stick when it came down to all of these issues. Um, <laughs> and also at the same time, as much as he might have gotten the short end of uh, of the stick, he was actually the um, the spokesperson for the Rooney rules, as they would say, the Rooney rules being the rules where, you know, at least one black, at least a few black coaches get, at least a black coach get interviewed for a job. So you can, you can interview 20 white boys, you know what I mean? But they got to interview at least one black coach to, to, to not be fined or to, to look like they're playing their part in being all inclusive. You know what so you didn't have to hire one. You have to just interview one. Right, you didn't have you didn't, you didn't have to hire one. You had to just interview one. Exactly. Well, here's 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 an ad, a, adjunct to the rule. To as of today, they actually enhanced the rule where it can't be just one. It has to be multiple blacks and minorities have to hire. Right. As of today, and I think a lot of it has to do with the backlash of what took place the last couple of days with Tom. But well, the fun, but the funny part about that is that you have to make a rule about it as if it needs to be done when all you have to do right. is just naturally do the right thing is interview for the right right guy for the job. Simple. But um, we, we're not going to... Uh-huh, I'm listening. I was just going to say one more statement. To go back to what we were talking to, uh, speaking to last week about affirmative action, that wouldn't even exist if there was actually a such thing as equal opportunity employment for the most qualified applicant. Correct. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, so that was one of the current events. Mike Tomlin, hold your head, brother. We here for you, man. Um, the next one we're gonna go to is Enos Cantor calls out Nike for promoting modern day slavery. You know what I mean? Um, he's speaking about um, there's a province out in China who you know is known for um, what they call um, sweatshops, if they, if you will. You know what I mean? And in these sweatshops, um, Jordan. Uh, LeBron, all of these prominent black men, you know, um, get their sneakers from these people. So Enos Cantor calls out Nike for modern day slavery. What you think about that, Joe? 
in with Enos Cancer, I mean, he's one of the rare ones that do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been many cases in the NBA specifically where they've had to the players have had to humble themselves due to international affairs. I think about what happened with uh, China a few years ago and how they were going against some of the things that were happening there. And the the politicians told LeBron to shut up and dribble, Mm -hmm. you know, shut up and play, you know, it's like, you can't have a point when it's affecting the bottom dollar, you know, and and then you, you know, they, they didn't want to interfere interfere with the international status of the NBA. So the NBA league told them to shut up and play with Enos Cantor. I mean, he's not American. He's Turkish, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he understands. And I'm pretty sure a lot of players, if they had the opportunity would speak out about it, but they know at the end of the line, there's going to be some type of uh, consequence if they do. Cool. So I'm happy that he's able to do that because the more people talk about it, it's got to be heard. It's got to be spoken on. So I'm happy that Enos Cancer is actually being a voice there. And I hope more players, you know, put the money to the side and say, hey, I'm going to take that fine, take that hit. But these are more important issues that we have to discuss. But that, I mean, that's an issue that's been going on. I mean, in all of these small, you know, third world countries for for, for decades, for, you know, (laughs) not centuries in the sense of when you're talking about manufacturing and the such. Um, Cheap labor is the thing when it comes down to them. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Zachariah? Enos Cantor. I mean, uh-huh. uh, speaking from from, I'm gonna speak from two different both sides. So, like as a company, Nike started out doing that, obviously for making the biggest profit you can, make it get your shoes made at the cheapest cost, and then you know sell it for twenty times what his what it what it costed to make it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um which is like the smart business model for any business, right? Your markup should be well over 70% if you're going to be for the cost of making it, if you're going to be a successful business. But I think the violation comes in when you have children, you know, working these sweatshops and the morals. Yeah. There's, there's not even a comfortable workplace, you know, provided for them. Mm-hmm. And they literally give them pennies that they can't even go home and feed their families with. So especially a corporation like Nike, you know, shame on you for not being able to pay your, your employees enough money to be able to go and pay their bills and feed their families at least. But on the other side, a lot of the players, uh, unlike in this canter that are not speaking out is because most of them are either involved in some kind of way with a sponsorship deal with Nike or at least the big players that have that platform to speak. Um, right. And then either that or Nike is also like a huge conglomerate in all the, 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 the sports world. They've taken over the, the, the deal to actually manufacture all uniforms for all sports. Um, it used to be Adidas, even in the soccer world, and they've actually taken that over. And not to mention that they buy people's personalities and images as well, like they did Michael Jordan, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> you can't really speak out against them if you're wearing their, their logo on your chest. And you're right, because they actually they actually got the deal for the NBA right now. They they right. Nike is everywhere in the NBA right now. Right. I guess yeah, I guess Enos Cantor is taking a big step, big chance stepping out there against Nike. I mean, but I still applaud him for speaking up about it because regardless of uh, just because you work for someone, does that doesn't mean you have to keep your mouth shut? At that point, it becomes you know some type of tyrannical influence of the organization that you're not allowed to speak your mind anymore. Kind of like what's going on here in America. Well, very, very clear to what's going on in America. And that's the problem. Like, I get that it's happening in China. I get that it's happening internationally. But we have our own issues here. And it's almost like it's being ignored. Well, I'll say this. Um, Me personally, yeah, Nike will win any battle. They got all the lawyers. Um, I've, I've experienced being inside of, um, sweatshops before, you know, because I was doing, um, fire extinguisher inspections. And as y'all said, these are some of the most inhumane conditions that people could be in. It's all hot, it's sweaty, it's cramped. You know what I mean? It's, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the air quality got to be low because all of the chemicals and the fabrics and all that other stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's here in America. So I can just imagine in a third world country what that what that looks like. You understand what I'm saying? So 
you know, I mean, with that being said, listen, um, Enos Cantor, shout out to you for speaking out about it. Um, is it modern day slavery? Um, there's a lot more examples to what modern day slavery can be looked upon as, you know what I mean? Because I look at people just getting up to go to work as modern day slavery. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Because they wrapped our minds around going to work for their system. And that was the same thing that we woke up and did every day in the time of slavery. Yeah, uh, we, yeah. We, <laughs> we did it every day. We were, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was even going back to where it started from. Right. So yeah. with that said, we're going to come back and we're going to touch on maybe two more things. And then we're going to go into the topic of the day because a few of these topics did stretch. And that's the reason why we didn't do the round robin. But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to get a word from our network, our favorite network, the Evening Rush Network, and um, hear what they got to say to us this week. All right. Word from our sponsor, even one of our Looking sponsors. Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share. All right, all right, all right. I am back. All right. Got a little, little, I took a nap. In them little, <laughs> I took a nap in them thirty seconds. The Evening Rush Network is where we where we where we where we stream from, as far as all the other networks as well. Um, sponsored by Baller, of course. You know, um, we're also on Instagram. That's plugged at, at plugged MJ. Um, we're also being streamed. We also live on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor.fm, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts. And of course, like I said before, the Evening Rush Network. You can also download download the Evening Rush Network app on both Apple and Android. Um, we're also on Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podchase, Podchaser, and TuneIn. All right, as well as of this week. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna continue with a little bit with the current events because this 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 one this one bothered me a real a, a lot, um, um, and that's the only reason why I want to bring it up before we go into the topic of the day, because we got a little time to get into the topic of the day. But um, prosecutors in the criminal trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. You know who Kyle Rittenhouse is? Kyle Rittenhouse is who, um, Joe? Kyle Rittenhouse was the young, uh, I guess you can call him young uh, good fellow, whatever the group was, the good boy. Um, they were fighting against the protesters of the uh, uh, up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he shot two of them. Uh, young. He must have been, what, 16, 17 years old? He was very young. Mm. But he's being trialed as an adult, and mm. people are just paying sympathy for him. They're saying he did it in self-defense. You can't, uh, they're not let, allowing them to call them victims. They're calling them... They've even, ra- they've even raised money for him as well. Money, yeah, the good boys have raised money for him to get him out of jail, and you know, they're not seeing the importance behind all this stuff. Like, that's a prime example of the blind leading the blind. Hmm. You know, Rittenhouse is blind because he's young. He doesn't know any better. But then when you got the other people who are supporting this nonsense, you know, they, they, people have gone so much in their ways, they're willing to support negative connotations. It's sad. Right. So because as you read the narrative, it's like the teenager who shot and killed two protesters last year in Wisconsin will not be able to refer to people, just the prosecutors, they can't refer to the people he shot as victims, okay? The judge ruled. What he said is, he said the defense attorneys may be able to call them arsonists or looters. They could call them anything else but victims in any other way. And that's where when you when you control the narrative, and that's, what's, that's why a platform such as ours plugged a platform such as the Evening Rush Network, platforms such as all the other shows that's trying to independently control what is being said about our culture and about our people. Um, that's why it's so important because this is how this is this is why it's so important because they able to change the wording and able to change the outlook on what this young man might go through in the future. All right. Um, what do you say, um, Zach, to this to this situation? Because I know. It's definitely gonna affect the jury's view of the the victims. I'm gonna call them because that's exactly what they were. If you're out there protesting, 
and someone shoots you because they don't like what you're protesting. I mean, they're trying to run away from the fact that it was racially motivated. You know, and if you're gonna bring an AK, I don't care if he was 17 years old, which that's how old he was when he shot these individuals. Uh, he actually shot three people; two of them died. Um, and and you you're gonna basically throw that out the window. Like, why do you bring an AK to the protest? Okay, so what were you protecting? You're protecting. They say that they were there was rioting and looting going on, so he's supposed to be protecting. That's what they're saying in his defense that he was protecting the stores out there or whatever, but <laughs> you 17 years old, you ain't protecting nobody's store. You're going out there with an AK. And if you were going and protecting somebody's store, then all you got to do is stand in front of the store. You ain't got to be running up through the riot crowd, right? right? And at the same time, you engaging with the rioters going back and forth with them. So you're not protecting anything. You're actually acting as the aggressor. You know, right. And- so, like, we know the story. We know what he did. We know how it went down. If you follow the news and whatnot, yeah, what, so- I, what, what I wanted to speak to more so is the um, why, why, why is the language so important in the court? Because it's going to affect the jury's decision. Bottom line, I mean, if they're looked at as you know criminals, you know, I mean, first of all, if they're rioting and looting, does that deserve? Does that warrant death? You know what I mean? So even if they were criminals doing those things, does does the punishment they got fit the crime? No. And we don't even know that they were doing those things. Those are alleged. And they're not even being called alleged victims or alleged looters and rioters. You know what I mean? So, yes, it's going to affect the outcome of the trial. And this is an important trial because it's, it's, I mean, this is done over and over again. It's kind of like when you watch the news and they show, you know, someone that's involved in a case as the, quote unquote, uh, alleged criminal, when Mm -hmm. the man is black, they show his mugshot. Mm -hmm. When he's white, they show his pretty boy school picture with a smile on his face. Right, right, right. It's the same thing that we're talking about here. When you're in the courtroom and you address them as such, they're going to be looked at as such. Yeah, so the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, we all agree that, you know, it's it's the way they're trying to... um, write it out and i guess this is to lead trying to lead him to getting off on on the charges because there's the other things that the the judge has been quoted as saying um but we're not going to s- spend too much time on that negativity um there's more negativity to get to right you know what i mean because <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's like yeah the monotony gets gets a bit much but guess what that's what we're here for we're here to make sure that people understand that our fight in this in this in this war on our minds is never ending. So we're gonna go yeah. to our next segment. It's a quick segment. It's a segment that I think we're gonna grow to like and grow to love. Is you know what I mean? We're gonna have something on there too, right, Zach? Right? We're gonna have something on there that you know what I mean. Bing. Every segment. Right. Right. So you know what I mean. And this year, I don't know. I mean, hold on. Is it is it gonna pop up? I don't know if it's gonna pop up right now. Um, there you go. 35 years of Hollywood, historically based black films. All right? This is the numbers. This is how it got broken down. 60 of them are slave movies. It's 35 years. I'm actually 45 years old. No. Yeah, I'm 45 years old. I'll be 46. Hey, actually, I'll be 46 this weekend. Stay tuned. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, that's less, you know, that's less time than I've been alive, right? So, in those years, you had 60 slave movies, 20 war crime movies, 25 segregation movies, and one movie of African greatness. You know what I mean? Whereas it is noted and known that we had many years of greatness. You know what I mean? We had plenty kings. We had plenty times of good. We had plenty times of being a people of, you know, of substance and all that other stuff. But in this in this in this little uh, meme, it, it says a lot because again, what we said in the in, in the um Kyle Rittenhouse situation, it's about controlling the narrative. If you control the narrative, it's always we're fighting in wars. We're either slaves or we're being or we're being or we're being segregated against. You understand what I'm saying? Now to show us in any site any any amount of power in a power situation, that's not something they want to do. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, even with the stories that they too t- they do try to tackle, like let's look at all the Egyptian stories. They whitewash them. 
Oh, yeah. They don't use black characters for them. Mm-hmm. You know, Cleopatra is a perfect example of that. They yeah. keep telling everybody that Cleopatra was white, European. She was not European. She was African, an African from Egypt in Greece. And then, you know, you have a lot of stories like that where they whitewash or they make them non-black. And that's the case as well. There are stories out there, but they're not told in our na- nature. Okay. And like you said, you have so many other, I mean, we didn't talk about the countless drug stories. <laughs> form of positivity, you know, every time you hear of a drug story or some type of negative connotation, they got to add a positive twist to it. So you got to talk about the struggle, but eventually sure. the overcoming is what makes the story better. So that's how they're controlling the narrative. But what is it? Yeah, Zachariah, what does this mean mean to you? I mean, I mean, I, I basically agree. That's the narrative and it's been the narrative, you know, you can even, okay, look, like Black Panther, you know, the first real black superhero movie, right? Mm-hmm. We just had it after how many years of white superheroes? Mm-hmm. And um, which is probably one of my favorites of all the superhero movies anyway. I was walking out the the the, um, the theater like Wakanda forever. but it's a big difference when you change the narrative right so i don't want to i don't want to get caught up in that meme too long you know i mean i mean you know um because we still got to get to the topic of the day and we want to move it along but um yes wakanda forever definitely topic of the day all right this one this one we we mulled over we checked it out and we, we dissected it and it's called the youth wasted on the young modern day adolescence right um what does the phrase you've wasted on a young mean to you the youth take things for granted they're growing up too fast what's going on joe what do you talk to me uh youth is a very uh it's a very valued uh lifestyle you're young you know um we as adults value our youth now and what I mean by youth is the way that we live, the way that we're not able to do certain things anymore, the energy that we have or had rather, and we value these things. You know, youth have a lot of those things. You know, as you get older, you lose them. So when I talk about youth being wasted on the young, it's like a lot of today's younger generation don't understand the value of the youthism that they have, the energy that they have, the style that they have. You know, they take it's being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Zachariah, same question to you, brother. The youth wasted on the young. What does that mean to you? I mean, you know, first of all, being that they're exposed to such um, to things so early on in life that we didn't get exposed to till later on in life because of the internet. Um, and I think that they're, they're not only, they're not trying to grow up too fast, they're kind of being pushed to growing up too fast. And it's to help mold their minds into, you know, a certain path, you know. And um, they're kind of like guinea pigs at the moment. But, you know, that's that, that they're wasting their youth because they're so drawn by social media and by the narrative that's out there, the quote-unquote agenda, that, um, you know, they don't even realize that they're like trying to grow up too fast or learn these things so early and want to be counted as adults. You know, they're constantly being told you're not an adult. You know, the frustration, the the, the aggression, all of this stuff. And, and you know, I, on another note, you know, every generation is softer and it's because of what they're being exposed to as well. Right. You know, the sensitivity, you know, as well as as you can't say that you can't say this. No, no, you have to be politically correct. You don't don't wait shame. Don't say that. Don't say this. You know, and it, in our days, it was just called you know playing the dozens. You right. know, and, and they're not growing up jaded. They're growing up soft, and at the same time, they're also overly aggressive and overly emotional. Right. And then and those are some of the those are some of the things that, you know, that's what it looks like when we talk about modern day adolescence. What does that look like? Right. So you say you've wasted on the young. What does that mean to you? For me, it meant that, you know, it's exactly what it says is that the youth don't understand what they have in their youth. You know, I mean, the energy, the strength, the opportunities. You understand what I'm saying? Whereas, you know, um, when I was a young man, there wasn't many, many older dudes that put in that amount of energy into us as the young men. 
they try to keep us out of trouble in a sense where it's like they didn't want us to get into too much, you know, too much into trouble in the streets and such. But when it came down to resources and such, it was never given to us. Whereas now it is given to these young men and women. And um, one of our writers wrote in, they take it for granted. You understand what I'm saying? And that's one of the ways the youth is wasted on the young because they take for granted life itself. You know what I mean? That's the reason why you have all of this violence out there. That's why you have all of this 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 nonsensical um, um, shootings of one another. They got listen. They got they got they got they got. Yeah, he said liquor store teachers. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Like I was watching something on about Jacksonville, Florida, where they got these young men shooting at each other and killing one another and writing rhymes about it and and doing songs about it, uh, diss songs about the fact I just murdered your brother or I murdered your cousin. Um, so they don't, you know, it's took it for granted. They don't take no value in their youth, in their, in, in their lives. I mean, they, they're killing people on live. Right. Right. Live. You right. know, that, when you look at the, the artist King Vaughn that died last year, um, was Talk to the guns being bought into the schools, Sandy Hook. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just the whole narrative of, of, of a certain genre of rap right now, where that's like the thing to talk about what you did on your record, you know what I mean? And it's just promoting the violence. Mm-hmm. We had organizations like out here, we had the boys club, which I attended every day after school when I was a little kid. But as you grow older at a certain age, man, the streets sound so enticing and, and you just get led in the path where those organizations don't have the hold on you and the influence that. Right. You know, so Cause when you got, when you got guns being brought into the schools, right? You got guns being brought into schools at a, at a, at a, at a, at a rate, like that has been unheard of, right? And you just got these uh, these kids with these guns in their hands. Forget if they got into the schools, they could be in the streets itself. You have Sandy Hook, you have all of these other um different other school shootings. Um, the one that happened in Florida where they just settled and they they about to um give try to give this kid the life sentence and such. Um, somebody spoke about just this past Wednesday, a school safety officer recovered three guns for students at three schools in the Bronx and Brooklyn. And said then on Thursday morning, more guns at the schools in Bronx and Queens. So all, all of this violent, this, the, the, that that's why I understand this statement. The youth is wasted on the young because they don't even care about their lives. No value. There's no value in today's life. And they're not being taught that their life is being valued at such mm-hmm. a young age. They don't care about the value. And that's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. just over the last month, we've in New York specifically, we've seen so much. And it's heartbreaking because I personally know people who have lost their lives at a young age when they had so much more to live for. And Mm -hmm. I feel for these young kids. I feel for them. And they're Mm -hmm. not being told that the value of their life is important. That's why all this stuff is happening. And there's nobody uh, government-wise or official-wise that's uh, brave enough to sit there and tell them, your life means something. You know, let's do. I mean, I mean, I don't I mean, official wise, I mean, because that's what we're doing. You know, if I speak to the young men, are they going to listen? If if Zachariah speak to the young men, are they going to listen? If Joe speak to the young men, are they going to listen? You know what I'm saying? We do. We We get the opportunity. Do they listen? Right. Right. So that's 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 a question that I guess we got to we got to figure out the answer to another day, because right now what I know want to know from each one of you. What because we talked about modern day adolescence, like because we talked because remember we grew up in a certain era, right? So in us growing up in a certain era, it looked a certain way, it it, it felt a certain way, it came across a certain way. What does modern day adolescence look like? You understand what I'm saying? What what what's happening here? Modern day adolescence—that's like a double-edged sword, if you will. Like it's a good and a bad to it. Um, Social media tech has definitely not helped. You know, we, they, uh, I, I'll give you an example. There was a uh, Chris Rock did a sketch, uh, a comedy sketch recently. Uh, he talked about bullying, cyberbullying. He was like, "You're really losing your life over cyberbullying. Why don't you just turn it off? Yeah, you exactly. know, you're bullying by someone who's not there. So I mean, they're 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 physical bullies. So they're softer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely." Absolutely. So what does it look like? Here's the answer to your question. This is what modern day adolescents look like. I've seen two kids on a date, teenagers on a date, sitting at the same table. They're not even talking to each other. They're on their phone. Come to find out they're texting each other. Poor communication skills. You're sitting right across the table. 
And then, you know, it takes away the, 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 the social socializing skills, you know, at the same time, you know what I mean? So you're teenagers and your, your number one method of communication is through your phone, you know, whether it be a social media app or text and you're right in front of the person or you're right across the room, go over there and speak to them face to face, <laughs> humanizing us. And that, and that, that, that goes and, and to for communication. You, they're the targets. They're the targets. You're molding society from their age. Right. So um, because what the reason why I jumped in there is because I want to say that we outlined it, right? So therefore, I guess we could just say this is our, what, um, eight points to what modern day adolescence looks like, right? So right now we're saying being molded by social media, right? That's one. Right. Okay. Um, they're simultaneously social and antisocial. Right. Okay. The effects of COVID on social and interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. The lack thereof. Uh, right, right. Poor communication skills. That's what Zachariah's story was speaking to. The poor communication skills. They, they, they. You know, they don't know. They, they on the phone when they're right in front of each other when they should be communicating with one another in person. They want to sit there and text one another over the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. Easier access to societal influences due to the internet, meaning whatever's going on in the world, they're able to see and be a part of or in their world because it's, mm-hmm. it's only what's relevant on your particular social media feed mm-hmm. so if your feed you're seeing a bunch of stuff you, that's what you're going to be influenced by or they Absolutely. Be influenced by. the youth are inexplicably angry and impulsive yeah ah, we I brought like that one up we brought that one up because mm-hmm. there's no real conflict resolution anymore like no. That everybody's taught to be violent and volatile to every mm-hmm. situation, and that's how you respond to situations. You're not being taught that there are nicer ways or calmer ways to handle things. Everybody wants to be volatile, you know, and then a lot of it has to do with the community that they're in, the outcoming, their outbringing, and just, you know, being around certain people. That's usually the first effect. I mean, look I mean, at what happens with reality TV. People don't respond well to peaceful organization. They respond to violence and volatile situations. That's themselves, you know. So, is it just the result of what we just talked about? Like, you know, with the lack of interpersonal skills, without the development of social skills, you lose. You you never gain the ability to problem solve in a social environment, right? So you can't solve a problem like that. So now you're so frustrated because you don't have these skills that your first reaction and, and because. This their heightened level of sensitivity to all these different so so called uh, uh, politically correct views and and made up words for phobias and all that stuff. Now all of a sudden you don't know how to handle the problem. You get overly emotional. You get angry, and you want to handle it through violence or aggression. And but but then like I said, the end result to anger is violence. Correct. The equal, you know, the the opposite of the of the, of the result of of that is violence. Um, but also, but who says as parents, we worry more now than ever before. Um, is that, is that, is that really true? Like, is that really, really true? Because I mean, who's to say our parents didn't necessarily worry at the same rate. I wouldn't by ourselves until the streetlights came on. I wouldn't have an outside running around the streets unsupervised like that right now. You're right. You're right. You're right. And, 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 and even so, remember, we had more family-like atmospheres growing up, too, so there wasn't as much worry, because if you didn't get, your parent didn't get to you, your neighbor would. That's right. It Everybody's takes- more individualistic now, so it's like one every person for themselves. Yeah. So we had one of our one of our writers speak about, he said they're more motivated by emotion than logic. Which That's is also true, true because very, a lot of these things, a lot of these things that we spoke on, like the social media, the social and anti-social stance, where I, I brought that up in our meeting because they will be just as social, like, oh, they want to be part of the party and this and a third, but then they want to stand on their own. Oh, I do this. I do that. It's only me, 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 me. You know what I mean? I'll have no new friends, all these other different little weird, weird logics when you're saying one thing and then you mean another. Oh, you feel you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, YOLO, YOLO, right? And uh, my point mm-hmm. is, if you were able to think logically, you wouldn't use that phrase because if you only live once, shouldn't you try to get it right? You know what I'm saying? You only get one right. chance. 
Right, you only get that one chance, right? Because mm-hmm. also one of the things he says, what does modern day adolescence look like? Um, they they, they want to have adult-like problems without adult-like respect to those problems or to themselves. You know what I mean? They're not going to act like adults. They're not going to they're not going to um, accept it as adults. But then yet, but then yet, they want to sit here and deal with it in adult-like manners. And that's where I think you get all these senseless killings and all this violence that you get is because they're dealing with you know everyday life as like as if they're adults. You understand? And then, and then one of the last bullet points that we brought about what does modern day adolescence look like, it's called FOMO. I don't know if anybody is good with the acronyms or what have you, but the FOMO is simply um, an acronym for fear of missing out. Huh. And I think um, not only do the the kids um, suffer from that, I think adults suffer from that as well. You know what I mean? They just fear, you know, on not being a part of or missing out on or or not being part of what's going on in the now. You understand what I'm saying? So modern day adolescence, that's what it looked like, right? We spoke on um, the youth wasted on the young. What does that look like, right? Um, we are in agreement that something needs to change in this situation, correct? For sure. Absolutely. All right. Talk to me, Zach. Give me a give me some solutions. I mean, um, okay. I'm gonna throw this out there from uh, a standpoint of what a blueprint might look like, but um, you know, obviously on the interpersonal level, it's gonna be much different. But there needs to be more organizations that actually provide um, refuge for for lack of a better word for the for the mental state of these of this youth so that they can be involved in activities and uh, learn skills, life skills that can help, you know, steer them to make the right decisions. And I think in order to make that happen, we need to speak to the things that are important to them. Um, um, and also what ails them is what came out in the conversation that, that we were having about this. And I think that's important because the approach matters. You can't get through to someone, anyone, much less a, a, someone, a teenager, you know, unless you're actually speaking their language, right? Mm. Or think issues that are important to them or things that bother them, right? So if we're able to address address them with that approach, but still able to steer them into uh, programs and organizations that could actually guide them in the right path, I think that will be a healthy start. But, you know, there's so many different steps involved when it comes to achieving that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to say that that uh, there is someone we are going to have on the show that's going to speak um, from their own experience about getting involved with the community and community leaders and having the, them, the youth speak to them to speak about their own problems and issues and concerns to help solve these pro- same problems we're talking about. So, Jada, we're looking forward to having Scrooge! you. That was somebody getting run under the bus. Ah. That was somebody going under the bus, just real quick. Just let y'all know somebody just went under the bus. I mean, she's going to be standing on top of the bus after this one, man. This yeah, is- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how, that's how, that's our secret weapon. We, we got her in the, we got her in the, in the holster. We got her in the holster right now. So, Joe, Joe, the same, the same, the same is to you. We spoke, we could always speak to all of these negatives, like all of the things they want to kill each other. They going to communicate. COVID, social media, um, they social but antisocial. They're angry and impulsive. FOMO, adult-like problem, all of those different things, bro. We need solutions. Ah, I got a perfect example for a solution, and I'm going to tell you what the solution is. You enforce authority. It works, parents. It works. It works. It starts from the home. You build the foundation for your kids and they will apply. I see it every day. I'll give you a perfect example. There's another story that we didn't talk about. And I wish we had about what happened in Shreveport, Louisiana with the kids and the fights at the school. The Mm. parents created an organization, the dad called Dad. Let's highlight them next week. Let's highlight them. And since they've started that organization, they have had no problems. What is it called? Dad's what? Dad's, Dad's on, on duty. duty. And I they're like thinking that. about incorporating across the U.S. So, like it, it, so it helps, you know, enforce your authority. Parents, That's don't be scared of 
right. uh, of all these uh, organizations, the BCW, yeah, the ACW, ACSs that make it so hard to parent. That's these right. things work. Enforce your authority. Let them know you're the parent. Stop trying to be their friend. Because right. you're not their friend. Don't be no. scared of your kids. No, you're going to lose at the end of the day trying to be their friend. Right, and you don't have to do that. Let them know it starts in the home. You be the example and show them that you can be a good, a, a young person. You can have great examples around you. And the more positive examples that they have, the better that they will. And I know quite a few who do and are doing it. So right. don't let this society influence them. You be their influence. Listen, I, absolutely, I agree. I, I got, I got, I got a few nieces, nephews, sons, daughters that 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 you know that that can stand you know that make me proud you know what i'm saying i got a got a bro son over there out there in hampton doing this thing drum on the drum line and whatnot listen last year i wouldn't have thought of that but guess what with with with, with a good with a good village and perseverance that's where he is you know what i mean so that's where a stronger positivity you know stronger positive um influences at home and community influences those are the two things that happened in the last two years for that young man and for every other young person that's been I've been a, I've been involved with in the last, I would say, four years since I got really um, knee deep into the community services. That's what Zachariah began to see about me in the last few years to see that I've, I've like come full circle in my life to become to manifest into who I am. You understand what I'm saying? So I know for a fact that community influences work. You know what I mean? Community community based organizations work, such as Baller, shameless plug again. But I'm I have no shame when it comes down to that because we're doing the work that we need to do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um we have to increase the awareness of resources, meaning it's not just baller. You know what I mean? You got other programs out there. If you you know, you got um BU out there, you got um 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 steppers out there, you got Barine out there. You got all of these other different programs that if you don't find a fit within Baller, go and find something for your kids to do elsewhere. You understand sure. what I'm saying? It's not a competition. I'm not Macy's. I'm not I'm not the Gap. I'm not Polo. I don't need you to come in and exclusively buy from me when it comes down to these kids. Nah, it's about these kids. You know what I mean? And that's where we spoke on one of the bullet points. We said the grassroots work. You know what I mean? That creates opportunities for change, agents to learn and understand youth at their core. We have to begin to understand our kids. We have to understand them. I know Joe understand the kids. I know Zachariah understand the kids. You know why? Because we stay, we stay 10 toes down. You know what I mean? We stay in the ground. We stay in these streets. We stay understanding them, stay talking to them, stay trying to understand them. You know what I mean? And these are all of the things, these are all of the things um, 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 that we do as men to try to, 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 to steer these kids to, to the right path. You know what I mean? We got developed programming that piques their interests and caters to their needs. Develop a recruitment and retention strategy. Instill the idea of paying it forward and giving back to the community. And create a resource life cycle to increase program longevity. Listen, all of that that was said just now is all that Baller is about. It's all that any program in the community should be about. You understand what I'm saying? It's all that what Joe should be about. It's all that Zachariah should be about. It's all that I'm about. It's all that Don is about. It's all that Jada is about. It's all that anybody that's watching this is about. You know what I mean? We want to create opportunities for change. All right? There's uh Before you, you end on, on that note, there's uh, uh two programs within the community out here in L.A. One is called YOLA, and it's... um. It's a musical program that started in in, this, in a school, an elementary school in Compton, where they started out a music program to provide instruments and teach the kids music that wouldn't otherwise uh, be able to afford it. And they're starting out as early as age six to give them that um, sort of development and that mindset to know that you also can get into you know classical music or learn to play an instrument. There's another program at a high school in South Central LA that opened a music studio where the music teacher actually put his own money into it to open a music studio and actually has kids coming to uh, record raps and, and just create a sense of community. And he says he won't let them in unless they have a certain grade point average. And that's what's up. And that's what we need. We need more of those. We need plenty of those. There was a youth center that was actually opened up here in Brooklyn um, recently at the Armory over there on Bedford Avenue. Um, maybe myself, Jada, we'll go over there and figure out what we could do over there. You understand what I'm saying? That's what is needed. You know what I mean? We need to connect and, and, and unite, you know. 
Um, any last words, Joe? Well, since y'all gonna pull plugs about programs, I might as well pull <laughs> plugs about my own. I mean, I can't leave me hanging. Well, I live up in Harlem. There's so many different institutions that you could go to. It's been around for years, as long as I've been born. The Boys and Girls Club of Harlem being one in particular. Harlem School of the Arts being another one in particular. You have your Graham Windhams. You have your Harlem Dowlings. You have Youth on the Move. So many programs that focus on impacting these youth, the children, and the development of them. They just, you know, keep providing the kids. And you'll, that's one of the things one of my teachers told me recently. He said, whoever's in that circle, the kids will continue to come. Mm-hmm. Generations will go by. So this, will, this is a never-ending of task for us to do. So it'll always be available to us. So right. you have to believe that we're doing it and continue the program. And that's all. We're yeah. here. We ain't going nowhere. Zachariah, any last words? No, nah, man. I think I think we said it off. I want to end on that note, man. Give give Joe his, his shine right there. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Yo, listen. Listen, listen. It's always a pleasure to have you, Joe, to have you, Zachariah. This is Plug with Molly and Joe. And we the Mental Warriors, along with our brand new, spanking brand new, shiny co-host Zachariah Yisrael, one of my one of my one of my mans. I think I go back about twenty years. Love you guys, man. I love the fans out there, man. Listen, we're gonna get more and more fans. I know people don't even know they ready for this yet, but y'all will be. All right. So with that being said, peace. Peace.